Dan Mullen is gone, and the University of Florida is looking far and wide, but not really, for his replacement. And we'll take a look at the predictions for Florida versus Florida State only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all my written work. I know I said we'll be looking at predictions today because... Well, that's true. The schedule is going to be a little wonky. We got the preview tomorrow. And then on Friday, we'll talk about Gators draft prospects, some other things. Both days, we're going to talk about college head coaching because Florida Gators, you know. So we're going to look at three more potential head coaching candidates for the University of Florida. And I'm starting off with one that Florida Gators fans love. And that is Mario Cristobal. The Oregon head coach, he is a favorite among Florida Gators fans, apparently, and that's totally fine. He's an offensive line slash tight end specialist that's worked at Miami, Rutgers, Florida International, and Alabama before taking over at Oregon. The huge majority of his high-caliber recruits came from while he was at Alabama, and to me, that's a little concerning, but at the same time, it's also not because, of course, he was with Nick Saban and everyone goes to Alabama. But he's been at Oregon for a few years now and hasn't really broken through with consistent high caliber recruits like he probably should, given the resources that they have. Although being in Florida, that would open up the door more for him to get those southern recruits from Florida, from Louisiana, from Alabama, from Georgia, because he's got Florida ties with Miami, FAU, I mean, playing for Miami. He's got the southern ties in general, working at Alabama. And I mean, he he's someone who. He's someone who can work pretty consistently, I think, with the offensive line and tight ends. He's done a fantastic job at training and developing offensive lines. So imagine if he would be able to pair the offensive line groups that he can build, because we've seen him do it very consistently at Oregon. So imagine pairing that offensive line group with the athletes that Florida can bring in. Now, I'm talking just pure athletes. I'm not even talking about necessarily talented players. I'm talking about, you know, if, if you look at a lot of the Florida players, they're athletes when they get here and then they get developed. So imagine getting those athletes behind an Oregon or a Florida offensive line coached by Oregon's Mario Cristobal, who has been so good at developing that offensive line. Next up would be Mike Elko, the Texas A&M defensive coordinator. He's someone I like a lot. He's done a fantastic job his entire college career at recruiting defensive stars and defensive playmakers, and I don't think that would change if he gets Florida's resources. He's worked uh, He's worked his way up from Fordham to Richmond to Hofstra to Bowling Green, yuck, to Wake Forest and Notre Dame. Then he's been at Texas A&M finishing his fourth season now. He can... I will say with Mike Elko, my biggest concern is who his offensive coordinator would be. I, I think that's it for me because he's he's worked with a few that are pretty good. But I, I think, the again, it, it's hard to talk about this specifically because 
I don't know all the connections they have. I could look at coaching staffs they've worked with or worked for, whatever, worked on, whatever you want to say. But I, I can say that I know that Mike Elko has worked with Daryl Dickey, who has been the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M for just as long as Mike Elko has been the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. And maybe Daryl Dickey's a possibility. But someone that I would much rather look for when we're looking at an offensive coordinator, if Mike Elko were to come over from Texas A&M, I, I think we'd be looking at Chip Long, the current two-lane offensive coordinator that he worked with at Notre Dame. So he has some established relationship with Chip Long. Chip Long has been pretty damn good. He's been pretty effective. Look what he did to Oklahoma when they played earlier this year, and Oklahoma will be in the SEC sooner rather than later. So if Mike Elko were to get hired, he's just a name that's been tossed around. If he were to be the head coach of the Florida Gators, Chip Long is a name that I wouldn't be super surprised if he came to be the offensive coordinator of the Florida Gators because you look at that connection and then Chip Long would be getting not a necessarily positional promotion, but he'd be going from a G5 to a Power 5, and that'd be pretty good for Chip Long. And then the final person to talk about today is Luke Fickle, the head coach at the University of Cincinnati. He has done a fantastic job at recruiting defensive players. And similar to Mike Elko and Dave Aranda, who I spoke about yesterday, he is a very defensive-minded coach, which is totally fine with me. I, I will not complain about that. Uh, but Luke Fickle has a, a little bit of a different, uh, I don't want to say issue, situation with the offensive coordinator spot because he could bring over his staff from Cincy or at least some guys from his staff from Cincy because they would all be getting at least pay raises if they went from the G5 to Power 5. So that'd be another thing. But also Luke Fickle has those connections from Ohio State. He worked there for years and he has those connections from people that were assistants there or even grad assistants there that might have worked their way up to QB coach, offensive coordinator at smaller universities, whatever it may be. Luke Fickle has that connection. I'd also be interested, though, with Luke Fickle. My biggest question is, how would recruiting go for him? Because if he's only ever coached in the state of Ohio. He was at Akron. He was at Ohio State. He's at Cincinnati. He's only ever coached in the state of Ohio. And he hasn't necessarily been super active with Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia recruits. He's gotten, I think, a couple of Texas guys. But he's not an established figure down south. And I think if anything is going to hold him back, that would be it because Mario Cristobal, while he's coached primarily in the Pacific Northwest, or at least he's been a head coach in the Pacific Northwest, he did at least coach in the Southern States for a bit. Luke Fickle has only ever been in the Midwest or Northeast, whatever you want to call Ohio, because that's something that I'm not going to get into a debate of right now. But whatever you want to call that region, Luke Fickle specified, has specifically worked there. So I'd be interested to see how Florida and other Southern recruits would uh, essentially buy into what he's selling because he's he's an outsider thought of. And I realize that it's kind of silly to be like, oh, he's an outsider. Yeah, that's really a thing people care about. It is. Recruits care about everything, really. So he hasn't done much Southeast recruiting. And it's not that I think he can't. It's just that I'm like, well, how good at recruiting in the Southeast will he be? Because you cannot lose the homeland if you're the Florida Gators in recruiting. All right, college football fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? PrizePix is a daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. PrizePix offers every sport you can think of. <clears throat> I'm talking NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, uh, soccer, MMA, NHL, and more. PrizePix offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and they are already incredibly difficult to find. But 
you can get all the star players of the Power Five, like someone we're about to talk about, Anthony Richardson, or even smaller school players like Brian Kobach and Bryce Mitchell, which you guys probably know as household by now, but no one else really would. Prizepeaks allows mixed sport entries, and you could take the over on Colin Castleton blocks, which you should, with the under on Damian Pierce carries, which you should, even though that's dumb, in the same entry. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepeaks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepeaks is daily fantasy made easy. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are free and available on all platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking at offensive predictions for Florida versus Florida State, the first thing I'm going to bring up is at least three explosive plays. And I'm going to bring that up because some news happened last or yesterday afternoon, I'll say. Not last night, not in the evening, but yesterday afternoon, where Emory Jones, the guy who's been the starting quarterback for Florida, has been not ruled out, but he is doubtful at this point to be the starting quarterback versus Florida State because of a knee-slash-ankle injury that he sustained in practice. We don't have a ton of information yet, but we just know he's doubtful. I'm assuming it's not super serious since he's doubtful and not ruled out immediately, but that likely means that with Emory Jones on the shelf, which, by the way, Carlos Del Rio Wilson and Anthony Richardson both took first-team snaps, it's likely that Anthony Richardson will be the starting quarterback and play, if not all of the snaps, the huge majority of the snaps and I don't know if you've ever watched Anthony Richardson play quarterback for the Florida Gators, but if you haven't, I will tell you there that like Anthony Richardson playing means shots play galore, whether it's called or not, he's throwing bombs and he's just letting it fly. So that's why I say 40 plus yard passes, 20 plus yard rushes that equates an explosive play for us. And I think that with Anthony Richardson there, that means you're getting at least three of those, whether it's specifically from him uh, with the rushes. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the 40 plus yard passes. If he's starting, we very well could see at least three of those because he is going to let it rip at will, which is an awesome thing to see. But at the same time, that then brings me to my next uh, prediction, which is at least two turnovers he got now i know i usually say one turnover at some point whether it's a pick a fumble we don't know how it's gonna happen we just know it's gonna happen we don't know when it's gonna happen or who's gonna do it. we just know it's gonna happen uh, i think with anthony richardson we can uh we can or with anthony richardson likely starting we can pretty safely assume that there are going to be some turnovers because anthony richardson he 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 uh he turns it over quite a bit. Um, I realize that he doesn't have as many turnovers as someone like Emory Jones, but he has played significantly less snaps, whether it's fumbles or interceptions. My biggest issue with, and I'll, I'll get into this tomorrow more, but my biggest issue with why I think Anthony Richardson will have, or the Gators, but probably through Anthony Richardson, will have at least two turnovers is that Anthony Richardson really struggles against pressure. Not not necessarily the blitz or whatever, but pressure. When pressure gets in, Anthony Richardson does not have a good time. He tends to, you've seen him do this, I believe, twice throw interceptions like this. He tends to roll to his right, which is smart, or scramble to his right, whatever you want to say. He goes to his right, and then he waits until he's draped by a defender, and he's got his left arm, no range of motion, his feet, he's falling down. And then he takes his right hand right here and he just goes and just and just chucks it somewhere. 
And that's happened twice now. We saw it against Georgia, and I get people like, oh, he's thrown against the wind, whatever it may be. And I get, like, or I believe it was LSU. Um, where people are like, oh, like he's thrown against the wind, whatever it may be. Yeah, it was LSU. I apologize. Um, but the LSU game where people are like, oh, like he's thrown against the wind, whatever, he's getting hit. I get it. But part of playing quarterback is recognizing that you shouldn't make that throw at that time, even if you're just trying to make something happen. You could look at the, uh, I believe it was the, Florida Atlantic game. Uh, he came in late. We were up pretty big, and he was throwing bombs. And people were like, "Oh, like, but if that was Jacob Copeland, that's a catch." And it's like, "Well, guess what? You're a quarterback. You should be able to throw to more people than just Jacob Copeland. That's something that you should be working on and developing on." So Anthony Richardson, he's turnover prone, and I realize I sound like I've been soured on him or like I've been against him. I'm not anti Anthony Richardson. I'm just calling it like he is. He's an immensely, tremendously talented quarterback with a limitless ceiling. However, he is turnover heavy. He is very much a gunslinger, no pun intended for the dumb AR-15 nickname, which again, I love him. I hate the nickname, and that has nothing to do with him. That has to do with what the nickname is related to, so I'll say that. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, I, I don't think that he's made, I don't think he's, he's currently what people think he is. I don't think he's bad. I think he's good. I think he's the best option we have. But he's also turning. He's Brett Favre with a lot of mobility. He's going to turn the ball over. He's Cam Newton, pretty much. Just, just take it at that. And the final prediction, we will see a running back get 12 or more carries. And I say this not confidently, but I say it with a little bit of this, a little bit of sass on it. I'll say um, Dan Mullen is gone. We know that. The the, the running back hater is no more in Gainesville, which is, I mean, I know some people like it. Some people hate it. Players seem to not be big fans of it. But uh, something that Dan Mullen very notoriously and uh, dare I say stupidly did was he never let any of the running backs get into a rhythm. And if you have ever played football, or if you've watched football even enough, you know some running backs they need to get in a rhythm to find a ton of consistent success. And Dan Mullen kept his backs from doing that. I get it. It's because he had so many good backs. But he also could have just like ran the ball a little more like because it was working for the huge majority of the season. And then you just decided, I'm going to start the playoff throwing five times in a row. South Carolina, just remember that game. Um, because I was... I it gives me an aneurysm thinking about it. But the South Carolina game, he started off throwing the ball five straight plays, which is moronic. He did not run the ball nearly enough this season um, at, or with any specific back or anything. Emery got a ton of carries, which is great. But at the same time, Emery shouldn't be like leading the team in carries at any point or games and carries. It's just it ain't winning football, which we know because Dan Mullen is no longer the head coach of the Florida Gators. So we know that it wasn't winning football to not run the ball with your very talented running backs. And I am specifically right now talking about Damian Pierce. And I was talking about Damian Pierce when I said, you don't let your running backs get into a rhythm because I do believe Damian Pierce is a rhythm runner. He's someone who needs to get going and get moving consistently. And Dan Mullen hates him. So he didn't let it happen. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I didn't. Like, seriously, Saturday and Sunday were just god-awful for me. Luckily, started off Monday with a parlay from, uh, it was Russian hockey, I think Swedish hockey, and international soccer, and the early college basketball games for some reason that there's a billion invitational tournaments right now. But, hey, whatever, I ain't going to complain. 
Bet Online covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost <clears throat> anything you can imagine it is the best way to place your bets and it's 100% free sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert experts make sure to use promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d no space o-n now i have a question for you i know usually i get into my whole built bar spiel and about boxing games i ain't even talk about that i have a genuine question that if you guys want to like answer and re- reviews or comments please do have y'all tried built bar puffs because if you haven't let me i got some in today let me tell you they slap like they are damn good and like i had lemon cheesecake which sounds weird and kind of but oh my god fantastic build bar is the best protein bar on the market if you're trying to eat clean but you've got a sweet tooth like me that is no longer a problem built bar is your low calorie low sugar high protein and most importantly high fiber solution you can even enjoy build bar if you're keto Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Now we're going to wrap up by looking at some defensive predictions for the Florida Gators versus the Florida State Seminoles. I will say at least one takeaway, and I I will get more in-depth about this on tomorrow's episode when we talk about the keys to victory or whatever you want to call it, but that's, yeah, the keys to victory. I don't think Christian Robinson is going to blitz a ton. Obviously, Christian Robinson was the linebacker coach for the Florida Gators. Now he's a linebacker coach slash defensive coordinator since Todd Grant got fired following the South Carolina game. And again, like I said, we'll talk more about this. Like we'll look at the numbers. But uh, Jordan Travis, the quarterback for Florida State, he has struggled mightily. Actually, which is weird because he struggled when he's been given time to throw the ball, which is a very Odd thing, I want to say. Like usually, you're like, oh, like oh, they got they got blitzed. That's why. That's why I didn't play well. But no, it's been the opposite. Uh, Jordan Travis has struggled when he's been given extra time to throw the ball. He's much better when he gets the ball out quick, which obviously makes sense when you look at percentages and all that fun stuff. But in just in general, he struggled more when he's been given time to throw the ball and time to make a decision. That's when he struggles, whether it's because he's taking deep shots, throwing into coverage, whatever it may be. I, I think that there's going to be at least one takeaway for that reason because I think Christian Robinson, we, he's shown he's not super blitz happy. So I think that we will sit back in coverage and the Florida Gators will have the opportunity to make plays against the Florida State Seminoles. I will also say at least two big plays because Florida. I mean, have you seen the defense this year? If you haven't, I envy you. I envy you so much. It's almost certainly going to happen at some point that there will be at least one, probably two, big plays against Florida. And when I say big plays, I mean explosive plays. So same criteria, 40-plus yard passes, 20-plus yard rushes. And in a rivalry game like this, I'm expecting Florida State, especially with Jordan Travis, I think not getting blitzed or not getting with a ton of pressure in, uh, I, I think that he's going to want to take deep shots downfield. And I'm fine with that because I do think it'll lead to turnovers. But I also think 
that it will lead to a couple big plays in Florida State's favor, as well as just getting the ball in space to their guys and making plays after the catch. Now, remember, Mike Norvell at Memphis was a big play machine. His offense is very fun. It is very similar to Dan Mullen in certain ways, or Dan Mullen's offense in certain ways, which, again, we spoke about the other day. I'll probably mention that again on tomorrow's episode. But, you know, you look at this defense, and it's like, well, they've given up big plays to almost and almost everybody you could say Vanderbilt wasn't any big play so that that's fine um but uh, they tend to give up big plays and the final prediction less than 150 rushing yards for the Florida State Seminoles and I know this doesn't work out for me anytime I mention specifically rushing yards but I'm doing it at the end I'll let you know that right now uh first of all over the past few games Florida State has had, over the past four games, 65 rushing yards, 38 rushing yards, 160 rushing yards, and 114 rushing yards, averaging 1.9, 1.4, 3.3, and 3.7. Now, those aren't bad numbers I average, if you average them out. They're not bad numbers by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that, one, Florida State will throw the ball a lot because that's just what I'm expecting of them to do. And I think our D-line is going to be ready to hunt ball carriers from Tallahassee, whether it's Jordan Travis or any of the running backs, receivers. I'm expecting this to be a really just a, a trick play, not trick play galore, but I think we'll see a couple wide receiver runs in this game. I think that these coaches are going to come out, have fun, go nuts and try to make a bowl game. Cause they're going to, if they don't make the bowl game, if they don't win this game, because again, the winner of this game goes to a bowl game or is bowl eligible. So I think at this point, you're thinking, we got to try to win the game. But also, if we don't win the game, we're going to put on one hell of a show for everybody because, well, this could be the last time they see us until next year. So I think that there will be less than 150 rushing yards. I think we're going to see a lot of passes from Florida State, which I'm totally fine with. I'm content with that. I think that the defense will do a very – or the defensive line specifically will do a good job of at least containing Jordan Travis, uh, not letting him gash us. I think the linebackers are going to come out fired up, especially with Tyron Hopper. He's been such a big improvement to this defense. I'd expect him to play significant snaps again. And honestly, I'm putting faith in this defense because I am ready to be hurt once again. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss out tomorrow when we look at more coaching candidates and preview Florida versus Florida State. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of WholeNonSports.com, where you can find all my written work, and I will see you all tomorrow.